Welcome to Making Our Way Forward, a podcast where we share compelling life stories and learn from the experience of everyday entrepreneurs. At NACI, we celebrate diversity and invite you to join the conversation as we talk to entrepreneurs and leaders from all walks of life. We hope that by telling their stories, we bring you inspiration, empower you to take action, and ignite entrepreneurship in your community. Welcome to this episode of Making Our Way Forward. We are delighted to have a special guest with us today that has quite a story to tell. We found her right in the home of Macy's headquarters right here in the Triangle. It's my pleasure to welcome Andrea Wooden-Smith to the program, and let's just jump right into it. Uh, sure. Andrea, why don't you just begin by sharing how you became acquainted with Nacy? I guess literally how you <laughs> bumped into our producer, which got you here today. Right. Well, we were at the post office in Apex, and um, I have a tattoo on my arm that represents the Olympics and the Paralympics from London 2012. And she noticed that and um, came up to me and asked me about that tattoo. And then we talked a little bit and then she asked me about joining into the podcast uh, to speak about education because I told her a little bit about my background being a professor at North Carolina Central University. And she asked me to uh, if I would be interested in participating in a podcast to talk about my experiences as a Paralympian and as a professor. Yeah, that's that's amazing. We talk about that um, a lot on this podcast in the work that we do at NACI. We, we refer to them as meaningful collisions. And what we do is try to put ourselves out there and let the serendipity of experience. And, and we know that through education. Um, so there's so much to talk about with your story. And I guess, you know, I want to get into later talking about historically Black colleges and universities, because you shared a little bit about your parents. And I shared with you how some people don't even know what the term HBCU is. But I will tell you, um, and our producer, my co-host Jeff Smith, and I were having a conversation several hours before uh, Natalia ran into you and we were talking about the Olympics and how excited we were. We were talking about our aspirational guests on this program. Uh, Right now we're in close to 350 cities and 27 countries around the world. And so we we wrote down on a piece of paper that we were hoping to interview somebody uh, that either was or is in the Olympics. So here we are with that. And with that, tell us, please, how that even began in your life. Uh, what? How did you get into the Olympics? And tell us a bit about the Paralympics and what you're doing today. Okay. So um, I really originated with the Paralympics through working with my PhD. Uh, program in adapted physical education. And we, the objective of that course was to meet different um, people who were involved in adapted sports. And we spoke to one of a former USA women's wheelchair basketball player who was in Dallas, Texas. Um, and she ran one of the women's wheelchair basketball teams there. And so we went to interview her. My professor told her that I had arthritis in both hips, and she said I was eligible to play, to participate. And um, Pam Fontaine, who was the former USA women's wheelchair basketball player, 
uh, asked her, well, how can we make this work? And so my professor allowed me one Monday out of every month to go and practice with the team. And so once I did that, they, the team sent me to a summer camp. And then uh, from there, I got recognized by USA coaches. And then um, it was requested or suggested that I try out for the USA team. And so I tried out for the USA team in 2003, was an alternate, and then made the 2004 team and was removed due to health issues and then came back for the 2012 Paralympic Games. Um, and so it's been an amazing experience. I miss it. Um, I wish I could come back for 2028 when it's here in the U.S., but who knows? It's it's up in the air. <laughs> yeah, I see over your shoulder. A lot of people are listening to this episode, but we're going to release uh, maybe a video clip. I can see some of the medals behind you and thinking about um, that experience. And there, there probably are people out there that are listening that have maybe some physical disabilities that are athletes. If people wanted to learn more about that and maybe learn from your experience and either support it or potentially participate or have a, have a family member participate, how would they even? Um, one, I would just put in adapted sports, do a Google search and just put in adapted sports. You can put in national adapted sports for the national teams. But if you just put do a simple Google search and put in adapted sports near me, uh, it will give you a listing of different recreation uh, opportunities, collegiate opportunities. And then you'll be also be able to see what other adaptive sports are out there because basketball, wheelchair basketball is not the only sport. There's a ton of sports. Every sport that is made for an individual without a disability, there's a sport for a person with a disability. Um, so they're out there. You just have to search. Uh, it changed my life. Um, I became a world traveler due to participating in the Paralympics and participating in wheelchair basketball specifically. Uh, so it has completely changed my life. My family is pretty much created due to wheelchair basketball. My husband plays wheelchair basketball as well. And my kids are involved, you know, anytime that we travel. So they know about the sports and the different sports that are out there. Find the opportunity. It's life-changing. Um, it makes you more confident. It builds character. Just a lot of different positive aspects of your life will change. Yeah. And I see you're also a U.S. Department of State sports envoy. What is, what is that like? That sounds exciting. That, that is, um, it's a wonderful opportunity to be able to go to other countries and talk about, for me specifically, I focus on participation of females into different physical activity, different sports. And then also I look at um, engaging individuals with disabilities into sport and physical activity. And we focus on working on the policies. We try to implement, uh, show them different strategies on how the government itself can implement these, these particular policies, really enforce the policies so that people with disabilities have accessibility in their countries. I, I love that. It's so, I mean, it's, it's really impactful, your story of you know, having arthritis in your hips and being an athlete, you know, you could have 
looked at that as, as really a dispiriting, you know, life-changing in the opposite direction. And that's a lot of the work that we do here at NACI and on the podcast is to try to help people to think about things um, differently. Think about um, challenge. And, you know, we were all brought here, you know, to this earth to do special work. And clearly you found yours and, and it's just a, a testament to who you are and, um, literally you have it written through body art. So we never would have found you had you not done that. So that's a whole other podcast until <laughs> we can talk about that. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about um, higher education. And you had shared uh, with us earlier about your parents and, and the journey that got you to North Carolina Central. And perhaps you could start and talk a little bit about what is an HBCU and um, how that impacted your experience and some of what you do uh, today and why why that's important in your your life as an academic. Sure. So an HBCU is a historically Black college university, and they were created for uh, African-Americans to be able to attend a university or college at that particular time. And it continues on to this day to allow a lot of African-Americans who may be first generation of college students an opportunity to gain that higher education. So typically the cost of tuition is is lower. Um, The ability to to get into that university is a little bit better. Um, And then you also get to experience the the lifestyle, um, which is a little bit different than maybe your typical predominantly white institutions uh, the lifestyle is a little bit different and you celebrate the likeness of your student population, your faculty, your staff, um, and everyone has that similar experience somewhere within their family line. And so it's just a, it's just a, an incredible opportunity for those who may not even believe that they have that opportunity to attend a university to provide them with that opportunity to attend a university. And so for my experience, both of my parents uh, attended an HBCU, uh, Virginia State University, and actually asked my brother and I if we wanted to attend. And at that time, I had no idea what an HBCU was. And a lot of people don't know what an HBCU is and the significance of those universities. Um, But now we're starting to see more HBCUs in the media through the platforms of our NBA athletes. So they're going back into school and supporting the HBCUs by attending those universities. Um, We're actually having a lot of athletes who are leaving your big division one universities and starting to attend HBCUs. So you're going to start to see more and hear more about HBCUs um, in the near future. Yeah, that's so that's so interesting, Andrea. And I'll tell you a fun fact that I learned recently. We um, hired our our next staff member that's going to work out of our office here in North Carolina. And on his resume, his name is Josh. He's um, going to uh, take on a maker fellow role. Uh, he attended North Carolina Central University, and so I naturally assumed falsely that he was. A man of color. And so we we went to jump on the interview and lo and behold, that is not what he looks like. He, he's, he's not uh, black or brown. And he was telling us how he intentionally chose North Carolina Central um, because of the academic programming and, and didn't realize the rich experience that he would have as, as a white man attending that. So 
he's got a really interesting background and I, I want you to meet him. Um, he's going to be coming on board here in a, in a few weeks, but his background is music. So he okay. wants to create a nonprofit to help uh, fellow musicians. And that's about all I know about it at this point, but it just goes to show you how much we don't know. I, I learned a new term. Uh, it was either from you or from somebody else recently, um, PWI, a predominantly white institution. And I, I'd never really heard that before, um, but I knew about MSIs and, and HBCUs. So it just shows you perhaps the, the elevated awareness around these issues. And, and I'm excited that we can talk about those things. I mm-hmm. had a chance to visit your university a couple of years ago um, with one of the, the major projects that um, NACI is involved uh, in, which serves uh, middle school boys and girls on uh, community college and, and HBCU campuses. And I was uh, blown away. I, sh- I shared with you, it's <laughs> Probably not that this is the most important thing, but the best food that I've ever had <laughs> in a cafeteria and the people were so welcoming. So I can mm-hmm. see how people really, really love that. Um, let's pivot with the time that we have left. I'd love to talk a little bit about the pandemic, which is weighing on all of us. It's mm-hmm. It's been, to be honest, exhausting and we're constantly yes. pivoting, worrying about our families. I, I would love it if you would share a little bit about how you and, and your family and your colleagues have made your way forward uh, through the pandemic. What have you learned? Um, what um, what kind of things might you share with our, our audience? Sure. I think the important thing to realize with the pandemic is that there may be mental health concerns. Um, when you're isolated for such a long period of time, there's always this want and need to be able to have that physical contact with other people or you know, to be in the space of other people. With the pandemic, it provided an opportunity for easier access to people through Zoom, um, different types of online media. Um, But I think it has increased so fast and so much that people are now starting to feel the impact of that and are becoming um, extremely burned out, um, tired, Uh, I think emotions are, you know, elevated as far as being angry and depressed. I think that's on the extreme side at this moment. Um, And then with the stressor of maybe a shutdown, a possible shutdown or um, everyone going back, not necessarily a full shutdown, but this just that stress. And so for I know that I went through that personally and I'm still going through that as, you know, I, I want to be out in the public. I want to be back at school. And then you get there and it's, uh, I really don't want to be here. I want to go back to my home. I want to go back to my home. But, you know, you have to take everything in stride, um, take it day by day, make sure that you're taking care of yourselves. Um, breathe <laughs> is yeah, very breathe, important. Right. Yes, breathe takes meditation, all of that to be able to, you know, bring those anxiety levels down. Um, and share your experiences. Don't be afraid to talk about the struggles that come out of this pandemic. I know that, you know, when I talk to some of the athletes and, and they're stressed over um, having to work so hard. And then now I'm to that point where, where I'm at the Paralympics or the Olympics and I'm exhausted. Yeah. And the same thing with students, you know, going from online, being comfortable with online. And now we're going to go back to tradition I don't know how to handle that. I haven't been around people. I haven't had that social interaction for a long time. How do we handle that? 
And so just being able to talk about that and share your experiences, I think is the most important part of dealing with the pandemic. Now, that's such a, I think it's really leaning into empathy and it doesn't matter. Um, I should say too, uh, Dr. Andrea Wooden-Smith, I mean, you're, you, you um, obviously have had experiences that most people have not had, but when you get down to the root of humanity, um, I agree with you. I, I, exactly your experience. And I'm not an Olympic athlete. (laughs) People can tell that, you know, when they take a look at me, but I, um, you know, I feel that too, because I feel like as leaders, you know, certainly with your students, and I feel that with my employees and also my family, I'm scared to death that one of them is going to get sick. And, and it, it, it impacts my own mental health because I think about how am I to keep them safe? But at the same time, you can't shield people from everything, you know, people are going to make their own decisions and, you know, it's important that we don't overly focus on things that, um, you know, tear us away from the joy in life. So maybe that would be a good point to to end is, is for you to talk about what does bring you joy in life? What are you hopeful about? Because there are, all, of course, all of these struggles, there's uncertainty, there's ambiguity and all of this. But, you know, just share with us a little bit about, you know, on a daily basis, some of those things that do bring you joy and um, what you are most hopeful about. Sure. I think for me, um, my joy comes from my children. Um, I have two adopted teenager boys and (laughs) and to see how far they've come in such a short period of time and to see their small successes here and there. That's what brings me joy. Um, I brag about them all the time to my colleagues and my friends, um, because at the beginning, it was very challenging to say I have nothing to brag about with them. But now I have everything to brag about. So, you know, going through the pandemic helped one tremendously because he was able to go virtual. And so, you know, I think that's one of the positives is that it gives you that option for students specifically or in in faculty, it gives you the option to, if you're, maybe you're not comfortable being in a classroom setting, maybe you're not comfortable being around people. And it gives you the option to be in your own you know, kind of asylum and do and become very successful at doing that. Or maybe you're not very good at being in an isolated situation and you need that person to person contact. So it opens that door to be, you know, to have that opportunity to to, to choose which way you want to go. And I think, you know, that alone has brought joy into my household um, that they have been able to have success, whether they're small or big successes, there's still success within my family. And that's what really brings me joy. That, that's great. And I have to agree with you hundred percent on that too. And I know as, as, you know, also a mother too, and spent a lot of time in higher ed and, you know, students and our children have different abilities and some have great ability and some it's, it's the small wins. And I have two mm-hmm. that are like that on both on, on either end. And I just celebrate the big things and the small things. But to be honest, sometimes it's the small things that are the yes. most important. You get up and you try. And, and that's more important than getting a 4.0 or winning any kind of award. And it's something that I tell kind of my younger colleagues and, and people who are earlier in the parent journey with little kids is I think sometimes when you have um, children that have health issues or they have learning disabilities and things like that, you learn that that is a blessing. You learn that at an earlier time. Mm -hmm. And I agree with you. Uh, This whole uh, 
experience that we've all lived through, I think has reminded us of, of really the humanity and, and the joyfulness yes. that can exist in, in, you know, cloudy days. So right. I know um, August is when the Paralympics begin. So tell us if people want to watch it. Um, can they watch it online? Can they tune in or yes. um, those who may want to support it? So let's just end on, on that quick note okay. and, and have a call to action here. Sure thing. Definitely tune in to the Paralympics. Um, they're going to be aired on NBC Sports. Uh, you can also look watch them on the Olympic Channel. And then I believe Peacock will have it. Um, and then if you prescribe, uh, subscribe to uh, YouTube, the Paralympics on YouTube, they'll have it there as well. Uh, there's plenty of schedules out. If you check on NBC Sports or Paralympics.org, uh, you'll be able to get the full schedule of every single sport that's out there. Great. Spirit in motion, right? Yes. And, and that's a perfect motto for that. So I want to thank you, Dr. Andrea Wooden-Smith, for being with us today. And, and thank you for brightening my day. I, you can see the sun on the video clip that's <laughs> pouring through my window, but it's more so pouring through your spirit. So thank you for that. Um, I wish everybody who's listening around the world a wonderful day and do something good today. Um, Google and, and look up, uh, learn more about the Paralympics. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope that listening to this podcast will help you to explore the many ways we might define entrepreneurship. Join us every other Wednesday for more episodes as we celebrate opportunity, learn from one another, and grow together. Subscribe to this podcast, connect with us on social media, and learn more about today's speakers at nacy.com forward slash podcast. We look forward to making our way forward together with you. Have you heard about our latest book, Impact Ed, How Community College Entrepreneurship Creates Equity and Prosperity? This is our roadmap for building back better in 50 states and globally. In each chapter, we share the inspiring stories of everyday entrepreneurs and explain how community colleges play a crucial role in their success. Visit us at nacy.com slash impact ed to order your copy now and join us in this work. Have you heard the exciting news? NACI recently released a new publication titled The NACI Playbook, Volume 1, all about how entrepreneurial mindset sets the new standard for success in communities and colleges. The NACI Playbook digs into entrepreneurial mindset and how practicing leadership with this framework creates an agile culture with space to innovate, co-create, fail forward, and accelerate growth. Entrepreneurship and entrepreneurial leadership require us to lean in, anticipate and recognize trends, manage change, be resilient, take risks, reflect, and rest in the knowledge that anything is possible. Learn from our innovative, insightful, generous network who navigates both challenges and opportunities entrepreneurially as we share what we've learned and how you might apply their experience to your work. We hope you'll be as inspired as we were. Learn more at www.nacyplaybook.com.